In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I am coming off my adventure win of the week. And by the way, if you aren't aware, this is a new weekly feature in the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group. So come on over. You can see everybody's adventure wins. I love it. But one of my adventure wins of the week is that I'm coming off of my first Ordinary Sherpa meetup locally here and kind of like a mini book launch party. When I launched my book in May, I just needed a break from it. And I knew we had so much scheduled for the summer with our adventures, our family adventures traveling around the country, that I just wanted to enjoy life. And I wanted to adventure. And I wanted to not have to think about much with the book. I just, like I said, needed a break from it. But now coming back, getting into a routine, there also is this clarity and focus around entrepreneurship. And what am I going to focus on right now? One of the options was to release the audiobook. And so I thought, as I'm working on the format of my audiobook, and as I'm hearing people share feedback of the book and how it helped them and insights from it, that I thought I would dedicate this episode to a chapter of the book. In particular, the chapter, I'm Not Adventurous. I wrote this book specifically for parents who crave adventure and have all those thoughts. You know, I used to be adventurous, or I want to be adventurous, or I'm jealous of how adventurous you are. I really wanted to give some perspective to how we can still be adventurous. It just doesn't necessarily need to look or feel like what you might think it needs to be. Chapter three, not adventurous. Adventure implies a wild ride. Just for fun, when you think of adventure, what picture comes to mind? What do you see? Hear? Smell? Taste? Or feel? We can pack quite a few thoughts and experiences into our minds pretty quickly. Do you imagine a younger adult doing epic outdoor sports in the wilderness? It's normal to think that when you have kids, your adventure life is over. Are you thinking of a time when you went to a nature preserve? The bugs swarmed your head, you misstepped, landing in the mud, making your shoes soggy for the rest of the hike, only to have a snake scurry across your path, scarring you from ever hiking that trail again. Is that what you're envisioning as adventure? It's normal to think you must love the allure of the wilderness in order to be adventurous. Are you watching a documentary of a person who completes some epic adventure biking across the country? It's normal to think we need days, weeks, months of time in order to experience a meaningful adventure. Or are you thinking of those mountain climbers who post pictures at the summit of the highest peaks? Every time you see those pictures, you think, they are badass adventurers. It's normal to think adventure includes extreme sports or high-risk activities. Limiting Beliefs In my unsophisticated market assessment, I began to hear the phrase, I'm not adventurous, or I wish I was adventurous. When I learned how they see adventure, it was often a pretty epic summit or something outdoorsy that just didn't align with the person's creature comforts. 
Our beliefs are the assumptions we hold to be true. Beliefs are built and reinforced over time based on relationships, experiences, and observing our surroundings. However, when we fail to examine our beliefs and bring them to the conscious level, we run the risk of basing decisions on false or inaccurate data. There are many ways to self-select out of an opportunity, and the most widely used phrase begins with, I am not blank. You can fill in the blank with any trait, creative, a reader, a writer, handy, good with plants, strategic, tech savvy, you name it. When I hear this phrase, it's the first indicator of a limiting belief. Somewhere in your life, you had an experience that reinforced this belief, causing it to become your truth. It usually comes as the result of comparing yourself to another person. If we dig into our limiting beliefs as an opportunity for curiosity, we can dig deeper and learn, why do I think that way? I have always said, I am not a reader. I did just enough to get by in school. Reading just wasn't what we did in our house, and I could find a thousand other things to do other than read. Over the years, I've been curious as people talk about books. I slowly began to add a book or two to my list. I joined a book club to add some accountability to read a book a month with some added social benefits. In the last six months, I have independently read 17 books, sometimes completing an entire 15-chapter nonfiction book in a weekend. At what point would I declare myself a reader? How do you define a reader? Is there a benchmark for good enough to eliminate that limiting belief? We'll discuss benchmarks of achievement later in the chapter. For this chapter, we're going to dive deeper into limiting beliefs and the idea that I am not adventurous, or even I used to be adventurous, implying that you are too old or that your life stage is not ideal for adventure. Definition of Adventure According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the definition of adventure is A. An undertaking, usually involving danger and unknown risks. B. An exciting or remarkable experience. Ironically, the definition of adventure does not include any reference to the outdoors, yet most people immediately frame adventure into an unachievable outdoor experience. A standard coaching practice is maintaining an underlying belief that our thoughts control our feelings. If you want to change how you feel about something, you must change how you think about it. Instead of thinking adventure is hard, I'm going to take you through a different way to think about it. Western society has a love affair with perceived perfection, which prohibits many of us from signing up to simply fail for learning's sake. I decided to lighten the blow of potential failure by framing opportunities with a mindset of adventure. Built into the mindset of adventure is an assumption of risk alongside exciting results or remarkable experiences. Significant research shows that adventure is a platform to help people learn about interpersonal relationships with others and intrapersonal relationships with self. With each new experience, you learn something new about yourself or you might connect with someone else on the journey. Running in the rain. During my falling apart year at age 25, I signed up to run my first marathon. I knew myself well enough to know that I wouldn't train on my own. I needed others to hold me accountable for my progress. I signed up with a charitable organization that had a system for supporting runners in accomplishing the adventure in exchange for runners raising money to support their mission. While the initial reason for signing up was to complete a marathon, I quickly learned that the interpersonal and intrapersonal growth that developed through the six months of training would forever change the trajectory of my life. 
I met other participants from all walks of life with different running histories, ages, and careers. They helped me reframe my belief of I'm not a runner into I run marathons. During one particular training run, I remember the skies slowly shifting from overcast to sprinkling and eventually a full-scale downpour. There were about five other female runners in my pace group, and we were all a little bit startled. I don't think any of us had willingly run in a rainstorm like that before. After the initial shock wore off and we were still running away from the trailhead, we shifted our mindset from disbelief and uncomfortable to playful and childlike. We shifted from steady strides to dodging puddles or splashing through them from casual conversations to giggling loudly and an occasional shriek of unexpected dousing when the tree branches swayed with the breeze. We were all a bit amused that the entire team was still trudging forward with the training run. Eventually, the rain eased up and we continued, drenched, muddy, filled with joy, and a bit of disbelief that we were still running. The shared experience of running in the rain would create a new level of connection with my fellow teammates. I never forgot that experience, that connection, or that part of the journey in completing my first marathon. Connecting through struggle. Running in the rain is a powerful experience because it taught me so many things about life. There will be periods of your life that will be a downpour and you might feel stuck and unprepared. You can choose to stop moving forward and potentially hide under a tree, or you can choose to take steps forward, get muddy, attempt to dodge the puddles, and still enjoy the experience. I don't know many who would willingly sign up to run in the rain. It's not a pleasant experience, and it has implications for the final results. I also know that once you finish a run in the rain, you can look back with a different level of confidence and pride. You did this. To me, it's the equivalent of Teddy Roosevelt's Man in the Arena quote. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood. This experience won't make sense to others, but it will have a lasting impression on your life. Don't feel like it's your job to explain to others why you're embarking on this experience. You don't have to have it all figured out and you're not responsible for their understanding. Running in the rain also taught me about the importance of finding my tribe. The struggle we shared in running in the rain led to deeper connections with my teammates. If I were running in the rain with five people who didn't have a vested interest in the adventure of running a marathon, we likely would have complained, turned back to our cars seeking the comforts of a normal life. Many people do not understand why I paid to run 26.2 miles or why I willingly ran hundreds of miles leading up to the races. It just doesn't make sense to them. It's okay. It doesn't have to make sense. I don't need their permission to do something that stretches me. Regardless of the adventure you decide to take, there will always be others both ahead of you and behind you on this journey. You will know you have found your tribe when the ones ahead of you are reaching back with a willing hand, offering to help you out. Likewise, the ones behind you are pushing forward and cheering you on. The tribe will bring you energy and persistence that you need to keep going when your stash is depleted. Having a tribe is critical and underrated component when working through significant periods of stretch and struggle. Purposeful discomfort. I want to be explicit about something here. I know some of you might be thinking, I don't want to run a marathon. And my response is, you don't have to. This section is not about adopting what I think adventure is or defining a list of adventures that are bucket list worthy. This is about bringing unconscious thought into active consciousness and being intentional about the life you want to experience. 
If we aren't intentional about experiencing purposeful discomfort, life will continue to exist in the drift state of daily comforts. As a parent, I quickly noticed that the level of adventure I was willing to sign up for diminished rapidly. I had the initial mindset that I would do everything in my power to keep my kids safe. And one of the reasons I felt compelled to write this book was to offer parents a guide for how to embrace adventures that feel uncomfortable or risky with our children. We live in a bubble wrap era, and there's a million ways we can screw up our kids. Every time I learned something new, there was this sudden fear or questioning, am I doing this right? Over the years, I've learned that perfection is selfish and stifling. If I wanted a perfect life, it would mean depriving my kids of so many opportunities disguised as safety and stability. If I waited for perfection to show up, I'd be inadvertently saying no to so many opportunities for authentic connection. Risky play. Adventure offers real development and health benefits. When kids experience risk, they begin their own process of self-discovery. Where is their comfort zone? Adventure allows them to test their boundaries and build their self-confidence. They become familiar with their bodies in relation to the external environment, thus improving coordination, awareness, and adaptability. A key lesson for me was risky play, play that gets kids out of the upright position and is required for kids to develop their vestibular sense and coordination skills, making them safer in the long run. The vestibular sense is a sensory system located in the inner ear that contributes to balance, spatial awareness, and muscle tone. An underdeveloped vestibular sense affects other systems. It can affect the eyes and reading and writing and affect our posture. Kids are neurologically and naturally drawn to movements that have them flipping upside down or spinning in circles. Yet adults often prohibit those and reinforce upright positions from a narrative of safety. I recognize my risk threshold as a parent was much higher than some of my peers, and it continues to get tested. A risk assessment in business is a process to identify potential hazards and analyze the severity of the outcome if the hazard occurs. I tried to replicate this process when assessing risky play by comparing the severity of the potential outcome with the probability the outcome will happen. When considering adventure with kids, I look for conditions to allow just enough risk to help them develop their skills while minimizing the severity of harm. Hiking on a trail in the woods has a much lower risk than hiking on top of a cliff along the ocean. Assessing risk. One summer, we took a long weekend trip to Ohio. We like to visit Major League Baseball stadiums and national parks, and when we can do both in one trip, we get really excited. We made plans to visit Cuyahoga National Park, and we're eager to bike the towpath and hike all the waterfalls. I happen to have a nature crush on waterfalls. We checked out several waterfalls and spent hours biking when it started to sprinkle. We had three waterfalls left to explore and decided it was worth continuing the journey. While we were driving to the next trailhead, our youngest fell asleep. I hiked to the waterfall with the older two while my husband stayed back with our little guy in the car. The trail was a bit tricky, with some pretty big rocks. The runoff ditches had formed throughout the gravel trail. The damp mist also made those larger rocks a little slick, adding an extra layer of risk and requiring some caution. My daughter took a spill on the trail about halfway to the waterfall, a fall that resulted in a scrape and dirty hands. To her, that little sight of blood, dirt, and wet clothes was the recipe for drama. After some creative parenting and spontaneous psychology, we were able to continue our way to the waterfall. The sights, sounds, and exploration at that waterfall offered a very calming scene, which knocked the recent experience out of our zone of consciousness. We cascaded into the exploratory world and after some time hiked back to the car. As my daughter climbed into the back seat, she caught a glimpse of her knee and was reminded of her fall. The scrape and blood was still visible, and she said, hmm, 
it doesn't hurt anymore. These are a sign of my memories now. The once traumatic and dramatic experience of falling on the trail would now have a different memory attached to it. A memory of overcoming. There are two other risk tolerance experiences that come to mind. Once we took an intense trail along the southern Oregon coast, where there were elements of the trail that traversed narrow cliffs and a fall could easily lead to a rocky ocean below. A deadly incident was possible. That alone triggered my anxiety enough to believe the risk was high. I allowed my fear and danger to be the loudest voice, and in this instant, my husband and I were both on the same page. We didn't complete the trail, but returned to our comfort zone. While camping cliffside on the north shore of Big Island in Hawaii, there was a similar but different experience. My daughter had visions of us rolling off the cliff in our camper van. Her anxiety was off the charts. Through the support and encouragement of her family, she wrote a different internal narrative about the risk, which included a low probability of us falling off the cliff. As we were preparing to leave that campsite, my oldest son asked if we could take the ladder and the ropes that were available to climb down the cliff to get closer to the rocky shore. I knew that I wasn't able to do that and support my kids in the process. I asked my husband how he felt about it. He tested the ladder and the route so he could determine the likelihood of harm and decided he was willing to guide them. All three kids took the ladder down a cliff to traverse the rocky shoreline. Their stretch zone was my panic zone. Another lesson in overcoming. Parenting the stretch zone. Even though being a mom is one of the most critical aspects of my being, I also never felt more pressured, more judged, and more alone. The crazy thing was, most of the feelings came from my own thoughts about what parents were supposed to be. The boundaries I was willing to cross as an individual, I seemed less willing to allow my kids to cross. When I tried to be the overly protective parent, I realized I wasn't the authentic version of myself. Recognizing that is the first step in understanding that while your adventure stretches your own comfort zone, your kids will likewise be stretching your comfort zone for you. Allowing them to be in that stretch zone is critical to their development too. Perfection is one of the negative stressors that we have to work against in getting outside of the comfort zone. Kids need to experience challenges and work through adversity in order to build resiliency. It helps them think for themselves and creates opportunities for independence. It prepares them for the uncertainties they will experience in life and helps them strategize through risks that are a part of the world we all live in. Don't we all want to raise confident, adaptable, resilient, independent kids? Adventurer is one of the most versatile platforms to build those skills in a novel way. Healing Properties of Adventure One of my favorite lessons from 2020 was experiencing the healing properties of unstructured adventure play. Midweek, we'd walk away from everything and take a field trip to the woods with no agenda, no route, and no expectations. Week after week, the kids would find creative ways to play. They'd create forts, play out stories, and design tools to help them solve a problem. These were reassuring moments during vast uncertainty. The first time we did it, it was about the only 45 minutes of that week that I had no responsibilities and could simply sit and breathe. The sounds of their play, accompanied by the natural sounds of wildlife and nature, was the most revitalizing experience to recalibrate my emotional state. When we came back to the house, I was able to plan dinner and support the next round of learning and revisit my work. Kids at young ages mirror the responses they see around them. 
When one of my kids gets hurt, I learned quickly that the more dramatic my response, the more dramatic their response. I still have that immediate gasp and run type response built in, but it also is a trigger for me to take a deep breath and get into empathy mode ASAP. Managing my emotions in these moments of fear can be a great model for kids to understand how to manage their own fears and anxieties. It's definitely a lesson in noticing. Being aware of how our thoughts and actions as a parent might influence our kids' thoughts and actions. We don't need to run in the rain or fall on a hike to have an adventure. Both just happen to be stories of being discomfortable. The critical phase is to recognize our mindset about new opportunities that challenge our ideas about safety. Being adventurous doesn't necessarily mean we do epic things outdoors. We just have to be willing to be a little less perfect, a little less comfortable, and a little more willing to take the next first step. With each step, we can assess the joy and decide if we want to step forward or leave the experience behind. The key takeaways from this chapter, an adventure is a risky or an uncomfortable experience. As you work through assessing risk, here are some questions to consider. Number one, what do I think adventure is? Remember the definition of adventure can be an undertaking involving danger or unforeseen risks and a new or remarkable experience. Number two, what limiting beliefs are you upholding? How can you flip a limiting belief such as I'm not a reader to I read 30 books a year. Number three, you do not need anyone's permission to do something that stretches you. Number four, what are your lessons in overcoming? Number five, sharing experiences through the struggle leads to deeper connection. Whom have you shared a struggle experience with? Number six, are you willing to participate in activities where you may not succeed? Number seven, risky play is critical to kids' development. How can you encourage getting your kids out of the upright position? Number eight, perfection disguised as safety and stability robs us of critical opportunities to raise confident, adaptable, resilient, and independent kids. If you are interested in the book, you can go to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash book. Or if you want to see all the other adventures that everyone's up to, come join us in the Facebook group at Facebook.com backslash groups, Ordinary Sherpa. These links are in the show notes, by the way, so you don't need to write them down. I look forward to seeing and hearing more from you in the Facebook group and also getting your feedback about the book and your perspective on it. Until next week, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.